Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. Show me your... What did Eve say that God had said was the punishment if they were to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What did, what did God say the punishment would be? They would surely die. Death. And welcome to Potter's House. This is our theme for today. (laughs) Death. Some of you are thinking, it's December, Wayne. We're supposed to come and have happy Christmas messages. Welcome to death. Um, Because that's that's where we we are today. Uh, You got the happy Christmas part in the song, so there you go. But no, we're in Genesis 5, and actually we're going to cover 5 and 6 today. Um, But in Genesis 5, it's it's going on and it's it's showing, uh, it's a genealogy. And let's be honest, the genealogies in the Bible are probably not the most exciting parts of the Bible, okay? Um, In fact, the only people that I know that get really, really, really excited about Genesis 5 are people that want to put a, a, a number on the date of when the earth was formed. Um, and nothing wrong with that, but that's about the only people I know that get really excited about this, this chapter, okay? Um, but there is some really good stuff in here, and so I, I don't want us to do what, is, what can kind of come naturally to us, of kind of like our eyes glazing over and, uh, and kind of tuning it out, um, because it is God's Word, and it is important. Um, and so let's, let's jump in uh, to Genesis 5 and, uh, and see what it, it has to say for us. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. And thus thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. And Seth lived, after he fathered Enosh, 807 years and had other sons and daughters. And thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he'd fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters, and thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he'd fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he'd fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters, and thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. And when Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he'd fathered Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. And thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years. And he died. And when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. And Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. And thus all the days of Jared were 960 years. And he died. And Enoch had lived 65 years. He fathered Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other 
sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Hmm, that's interesting. We'll come back to that. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he'd fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived, after he fathered Lamech, 782 years and had other sons and daughters. And thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. And when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, One out of the ground of the Lord has cursed. This one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. And Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. And thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years, Noah, uh, years old, Noah fathered Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Okay, so what happened? God told him in the garden, you sin. What happens? You die. What did man do? Well, he sinned first, and then he died, right? Like, it's cause and effect. Sin, death, sin, death, sin, death. And this is what we're seeing coming into Genesis 5, is what was promised in the, in the passages that, that Bruce covered for us has come true. God kept his word. He said, this, you do this, here's what's going to happen. And, and God keeps his word. Sin leads to death. This is the way it works. Um, and if we're honest, we struggle with this, especially when we lose someone that we care about. When, uh, when someone dies that we love, a natural part of grief, a natural response to that situation that if we're honest, a lot of us, even the most devout Christians fall into is into a place of blaming God. God, why did this happen? God, why did you let this happen? God, why? 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 This is your fault, God. You could have stopped this, God. But what God has made clear to us from the beginning is this. Man, woman, you sin, you bring death into the world. He warned us up front. He said, here's the way it works. You do this, there's consequences. So we cannot put fault on God for following through with the consequences that he said were going to be there. And so while it's natural and even part of our human response in that grieving process um, to go through those questions, to go through those thoughts, the reality is, is God is completely just in all of it. And we couldn't, cannot put blame on him because the blame lies on us. Because we are the ones who have sinned. We are the ones who have gone against him. We are the ones that have brought this upon ourselves. But there was an interesting thing in here. Did you guys catch that? Verse 24. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, because you see, we start to see here in Enoch already just more of those shadows, more of those glimpses of God's grace, of his mercy. Does it say Enoch was sinless and blameless and God took him? No. 
I think Enoch fully deserved death like everybody else, except for some reason God chose, I'm going to show you mercy and I'm just going to take you. You're going to come to be with me. We have record of this with, with two men in the Bible. Anybody know the other one? Elijah, right? Um, he gets a fiery chariot that comes and picks him up. That sounds like a pretty cool way to go. Um, riding out in style. But, uh, but yeah, so we have these two guys in the Bible um, that we have record of they, that they did not experience physical death. But besides those two, do you know what the death rate's holding at? It's right around 100%. You know, world figures, all the statistics, pretty much 100% that we as mankind have sinned and we as mankind will die. This is a reality and this is what happens. Well, let's go on and jump into Genesis 6 because the themes in Genesis 6 tie in with the themes in Genesis 5 and I just want to tie it all together. So uh, Genesis 6, starting in verse 1. When man had begun to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives as they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and afterward, when the sons of man came into the daughters of man, they bore children to them, and they were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown." And the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. His very intention of, of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. And so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, and man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, and I am sorry that I have made them. And now... Some of you might have been really excited about when we got to Genesis 6 for a very deep, intelled, detailed uh, dig into the Nephilim or the giants of the Bible and what does it mean that the sons of God married the daughters of men. Here's what it means. The sons of God married the daughters of men and there were Nephilim or could be translated giants on the face of the earth at that time. There you go. That's all I've got for you. Um, (laughs) But what's important here is in whatever all of that was that was going on, God looked at it and he said, this is horrible. These people that I've made have become so wicked Sin has infiltrated all of who they are. And it grieved him that he had even made mankind. As Bruce, I think, pointed out in one of his sermons, like God could have just at that point said, I'm just wiping it completely clean and I'm going to speak something else into being. And he would have been completely just in doing that. And we know a lot of the rest of the story that we're getting to of the fact that he does choose to, to offer Hope, he offers salvation um, through Noah, through the ark. But God looks at what man has become and he hates it. And here's a fact that hasn't changed about God because God does not change. God hates and punishes sin. God hates and punishes sin. I know that's 
Those words are some that we, some Christians try to avoid um, today. I was kind of laughing out at the light up. Um, there was another group out there. It was really cool. They had uh, walking sticks with the kind of salvation bracelets on them, you know, with the different colored beads where you can go through the plan of salvation by the color of the beads. Um, and so my kids wanted to go get a walking stick. So I walked over there with them to get a walking stick and the lady wanted to start sharing the gospel with me through the beads. I said, I know it, share it with them. Um, and so, uh, so she started going through it and um, she got to the black bead and she's like, now this is the, the stuff we do that maybe we shouldn't do or like we're, we're not, you know, we don't obey our parents or something like that. And she's like beating all the way around the bush and Rowan just goes, sin, it's called sin, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's called sin, way to go, son. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's what it is. Sin is bad. It's the thing that God hates and God punishes it. And, and why do we beat around the bush on that? Like, this is just the reality. This is the truth. Um, and so we need to know this, that yes, in Noah's day, God hated and punished sin. In our day, God hates and he will punish sin. Let's move on. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And then, so again, just like with Enoch, there's, there's something special there. God looks at all the corruption, but then he sees Noah, and Noah finds favor in his eyes. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It's interesting to note that right here is the first time in the Bible that any man is referred to as righteous. So again, we start to see those, those integral themes of the Bible being introduced. And so right here, God's making a connection for us in his word between righteousness and his favor. That, that he was a righteous man, a blameless man. That doesn't mean he's a sinless man. In fact, after the flood, we get accounts of his sin that we'll look at. Right? So he wasn't perfect, but he was righteous. He was striving to be like God, to live in the way that God would have him to live and not live like everyone else. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits. Its breadth is 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the, the door on the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you, and every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds. 
of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. Now it shall serve as food for you and for them. And so here, God talks to Noah, and he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm wiping it all out. I want you to build the boat. I want you to build the ark. I'm, you're going to have animals with you. We're gonna, I'm going to provide a, a little place of salvation, a little glimpse of hope. But while I do that, that's in the midst of me wiping everything out. I'm going to kill them all. And so we see here that before God punishes, God once again warns them. He offers a warning once again. We see this continually through Scripture, that before he punishes, he warns. Before Adam and Eve were punished, they were warned. They knew, hey, there's consequences to your actions. Those consequences, yes, death, 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 death. And he's offered those same warnings. And so he offers just another warning here uh, to the people before the flood through Noah saying, I'm going to wipe you guys out. It's going to happen. I'm just going to wipe the slate clean. Well, what kind of warnings has God given to us? It's interesting, Enoch comes back up in the New Testament on this very question. In the book of Jude, anybody read Jude lately? In the book of Jude, it's talking about the, the need to be a follower of Christ and to know Christ and know the power of his resurrection as opposed to living in sexual immorality and debauchery. And then Jude says this, It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all the deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth, boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. So Jude says, hey, all the way back to Enoch, the man who walked with God and then was not because God took him. This man said from the beginning, here's what's going to happen. God's going to come and he's going to judge everyone. He's bringing his legion of angels and judgment is going to be executed on mankind for our actions. And everyone who is found in sin will be punished. This is the truth. This is the reality. This is the warning from God. But the great news is, is that we have an escape is that Jesus Christ came and through his death on the cross, he took that death for us so that we don't have to pay it. And he rose again, defeating sin and death so that we can be made right with God. And if you know that, Jude then goes on and says this, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, 
building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And Jude's saying, we have hope. We have Jesus. We have eternal life through Christ. And this is the message of the scriptures. This is the message of the Bibles. We just went from the fifth chapter of the Bible to the next to last book of the Bible. And from front to end, this is the story of the Bible. Man is sin. Man is messed up. We deserve death. God is righteous. God is good. He shows mercy. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, to pay what we owe for our sin so that we can be made right with him and we can have eternal life and spend that with him. And so do you know him? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Because God is a God of mercy and grace. But let's go back um, again to Enoch. All right? So what do we have? So how, how does Genesis 5 go? Adam, dead. Seth, dead. Enosh, dead. Kenan, dead. Mahalalel, dead. Jared, dead. Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. That's a nice deal. Um, and that's pretty interesting. But why did God do that? Well, the good thing is, Scripture tells us. Hebrews 11 talks about Enoch and um, about Noah. So in Hebrews 11, it says this, verse 5, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he, he was commanded as, commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So what goes all the way back to Genesis 5? The essentialness, the necessity of faith. It wasn't just that these guys were really good guys, you know? Like they, it wasn't just that they, like they, were, they, they were nice, you know? Like those, those nice guys, like why would God ever do anything bad to the nice guy? Like, why would the nice guy have to die? But here's the deal. These guys were guys of faith. And that's what we need today as well. We are saved by faith alone. It is only faith in Jesus Christ that can make you right with God. Faith alone, in his grace alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And it is that faith that can save us. And it was that faith that was evident and was there for Enoch and was there for Noah. And how did that faith manifest itself in Noah's life? Here's how chapter 6 ends. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. So Noah's faith led him to be obedient. It wasn't just that he... 
the obedience wasn't the cause of everything. The obedience was the effect of the faith. And the same should be true in our lives. We need to walk in faith with God. Both of these guys, it is said here in Genesis 5 6 that they walked with God. I want to ask you, do you walk with God? The only way to do that is through faith in Jesus Christ. But when you have faith in Jesus Christ and you get the power of the Holy Spirit within you, which allows you to walk daily with him. So I want to encourage you that you can be like Enoch. You can be like Noah. You can walk with God. Even in a a different and probably even better way than what they had access to before Christ died on the cross. But we need to walk in faith with God and then by faith, obey God. It's not all about laws and rules and trying to to please God by our obedience. If you're trying to get right with God by by your obedience, then good luck. Because you already lost it. All right? You've messed it up already, I'm sure, because I have many, many times. And I know you people. Um, So you've already messed it up. So here's our only hope. Our only hope is the restoration through Jesus. And that's where our hope is found. And when we have that hope, when we have that faith in him, the way that we respond to that is we want to walk in obedience to him. We, We say we no longer want to do the things that caused you to have to go to the cross. Instead, we want to walk in obedience and faith to you in a way of honoring you and showing, showing the world how great you are. So that we, as Jude said, can help snatch others out of the fire. So that we can help pull others to you to show others the goodness of your grace. To show others how great you are. Because we love you, Lord. And that's the only response that our hearts should have to his grace is one of gratitude and love. Because here in Genesis, we already see that, yes, God is good at his word. He's good for it. If he says he's going to punish, he's going to punish. He says there's consequences, there's going to be consequences. But he's also a God of grace and mercy who shows his love to us and shows salvation in the midst of the punishment. So I want to ask you, where do you want to be? God's not going to destroy the world with a flood again. But metaphorically, if we can look at it this way, do you want to be in the ark or do you want to be outside? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that you're not changing. And so that as we look at at how you interacted with people all the way back in Genesis 5, we can learn from that and we can say, yeah, that's the same God that I know and I love. That's the same God that I get to walk with today. And so, Lord, I pray that we will be a faithful people, that that maybe it might be said about us that we, like Noah, were righteous. Not of our own righteousness, but your righteousness imputed to us that we might shine for the world around us and walk in obedience to you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity to come together today and just take of these elements together and worship you together as your people, as your body. Pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. 
If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.